Bellies, and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, and there is a lot of excitement in my voice this week. Um, I am just recently returned from a really awesome trip to the East Coast that uh, basically culminated in uh, one of the most exciting, fun pro wrestling events that I've ever been to live, and that would be Primetime Pro Wrestling's Butch vs. Gore out in Washington, D.C. A huge celebration of LGBTQ pro wrestling, you know, pro wrestling that features marginalized communities, you know, people of color, women, all kinds of rad stuff. It was a fun event. I, It was the perfect culmination of, of this trip that honestly was the first time I was going to get to see a lot of my family in a number of years. So it was a, it was an all-around a great trip. So there's a lot of passion and excitement in my voice right now because I'm still on that high, even though I'm recording this fairly early Thursday morning on the West Coast here. Um, and And... I'll be frank with you. I'm recording this as I'm watching uh, Florida Governor uh, Ron DeSantis update everybody on what's going on with the coronavirus, with COVID-19 in Florida right now. I was hoping to have some information to uh, bring to everybody regarding WrestleMania um, and Mania Weekend and all the events around Mania Weekend because Butch vs. Gore was, was so good. It, it delivered so much enthusiasm that... That it really set up a lot of the stuff that we were going to see uh, at WrestleMania, like the Big Gay Brunch, um, the Uncanny Attractions, their Drags and Dropkits show, the Gay Young Classic, the Great Sweatpants Battle Royal, Jalex uh, Takes the World. Like, all these events that were going to be really cool to. And for the culture, I can't forget for the culture. All these events that were going to be really cool and feature um, communities that have been underserved in pro wrestling um, as a whole. But now all of that's uh, being threatened a little bit by this uh, COVID-19 outbreak, which honestly, like, there's a... There's... There's some a lot of frustration, I think, going around right now, considering how um, hesitant the WWE has been on their messaging around it, um... The state of Florida has been very wishy-washy um, in terms of what they are pushing people to do, as well as their messaging around the, how the virus is being spread in Florida. Um, and then, of course, the city of Tampa itself—you know—they we've seen everything from uh, like the city of Tampa's Twitter account saying that WrestleMania is still going on as planned, to uh, the mayor of Tampa basically saying that, um, I think, basically say that they're considering what to do, but then, um, I don't know, like, at the same time, they're saying they're trying to consider what to do, but they also are saying that there's no plans, and I, and look, like, I, I, separating emotion from these things, I get it. Tampa has invested a lot of money in this. This is going to impact... The, if, if WrestleMania does not happen, or if it happens without fans in the stadium, it is going to impact the economy of that city. Um, it's it, it's already impacting the economies of multiple cities. You know, I live out on the West Coast. I live in the Pacific Northwest. And Seattle's uh, hospitality industry is being hit fucking hard right now. 
Tacoma's is being hit hard. Portland's is starting to hit that way. There's a reason why we've seen like Washington, Oregon, and California have all been very quick to um, to limit mass gatherings to um, keep people um, distance from each other, create social distancing. You know, it's already impacting these things. That and these are places that don't have events like WrestleMania coming to their doorstep. You know, we saw the NBA cancel or not cancel but uh suspend their season um just now as i've been talking to you the sec uh men's basketball tournament as well as the american athletic conferences and the big 10 all have canceled their men's basketball tournaments originally those are going to go ahead without fans now they are done they are canceled um so more and more we are seeing these the uh covid19 virus affect the athletic world and really the only of course my alarm had to go off right there um so the really the only athletic company as a whole that has not really responded to anything is the wwe and i don't know it's i think it's irresponsible that they're not looking ahead because we're talking about wrestlemania is less than three weeks it's about three weeks away three or four weeks, it's less than a month away. And, you know, we saw events that are as far out as June already being um, canceled or postponed with like E3. And uh, honestly, what we can see with the NBA is the NBA playoffs could be suspended. Those usually go down in June. The MLS season, ha- MLS has suspended their season reportedly, and they just got underway. There's there are there's a potential that the major league baseball season will not start on time um so like there's all kinds of things up in the air and the fact that WWE and the city of Tampa have been so wishy-washy about this and have been basically just like holding on to every thread they can until finally their hand is going to be forced to say something that wrestling fans probably are not going to like it's really really frustrating to watch um and I know that the like Brett Lauderdale with uh, with the collective and GCW has been out there saying that like you know the the events the collective events will happen. A lot of other people promoting these smaller events that are go around uh, around Mania have been saying that they're still going to happen. Um, I understand the sentiment. I really do. And trust me, if all of this stuff that that we've been so excited for for months now gets canceled because of the COVID nineteen outbreak. Like, it's going to be frustrating, it's going to be disappointing, but it's also a necessary thing. As much as I want to go to Effie's Big Gay Brunch, I also don't want, you know, people to be put at risk. I don't want a pandemic to be perpetuated because I wanted to go to a wrestling show. So, I don't know, I just hope that we get some answers here. Hopefully we'll get some answers later today, Um, I don't know, but... I just I had to touch on that before we get into um, myself and KC's um, review of Butch versus Gore, uh, because like that show left us both on such a high, and I think it comes through in the way we talk about it. It's hard not to whenever you talk about that show. Um, anyway, so if I we'll check and see if there's anything else that happens, and and we'll update as we go. But for right now, no tangible update regarding WrestleMania status down in Tampa thanks to the COVID-19 virus. Um, and while we wait, please enjoy <laughs> please enjoy um, myself and my partner's review of Butch vs. Gore.
What's up guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the ring. And this week it is, of course, another edition of a live event review here with uh, one of my favorite people in the world, um, my partner, KC. Uh, welcome back to the show, sweetie. Thank you. <laughs> and we are here because we went on a bit of an excursion ourselves this week um, over to our nation's capital, good old Washington, D.C., um, at least the best part of what Washington, D.C. has to offer right now. Um, and we checked out uh, an event that we've been talking about on this show for months at this point now. Uh, Primetime Pro Wrestling's Butch vs. Gore. Uh, the queer-focused pro wrestling show, uh, basically Pride outside of Pride, that's been put together by uh, Lolo McGrath and Billy Dixon. Um and yeah, it was a show that we were not going to miss. Um, I'm really glad that we were able to make it out there and, and take it all in live in the building. And we are going to kind of unpack that, that experience for everyone here um, who was not there or did not check out the show live on independentwrestling.tv, which you can also go check out the replay on independentwrestling.tv right now um, if you want to relive or uh, initiate yourself to what happened over at DC Brow in... Uh, in Washington, D.C. So I guess my first question for you, KC, um, what was your expectations heading into the night? And like, what were you kind of looking forward to seeing uh, whenever we got out there? Well, you told me a little bit about what the goals were um, for the show ahead of time. And one of the main things was having a diverse set of wrestlers so that was definitely a huge expectation of mine, and they definitely lived up to that. Um, just a lot of racially diverse wrestlers and obviously plenty of people from the queer community. Um, and that's the kind of wrestling I'm more of a fan of, um, as we've discussed before. Mm -hmm. And then also, I just love the idea of doing this outside of Pride Month because we do exist outside of, Jan uh, outside of June. Yeah, and I think that was a major uh, bullet point to having this event happen in March, and one of the main reasons why they wanted to put on this event um, was just to show that queer talent can draw houses outside of Pride Month. And that house was definitely packed. Oh, oh my, my goodness. God, yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We're talking standing room only. Like, we... We were part of the standing room crowd, check, taking in the show, and I'm very happy that we ended up getting the spot that we did before it filled out, because walk-up was crazy. Like, listen, all of the seats around the ring, the first three or four rows, like, they sold out a month ahead of the show. So, the only tickets that were still left were standing room only, and it seemed like there were a number of people who came there that had not already purchased tickets, so they loaded out the standing room only section uh, for, at DC Brow for this. It was probably one of the most packed independent wrestling shows that I've been to um, in a long time. And one thing I found really interesting to your point about the diversity on the card was that there were a number of people like just standing in line and overhearing a lot of people. Um, it was their first experience with pro wrestling and they mainly came out because it was the gay show. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, too. Yeah. Uh, 
So like it it opened up these doors to all all new audiences, which is something that I know um, you know Lolo has been, on this show has stated was has been a main goal of theirs with all of their work with primetime, you know, to try and draw in new audiences to pro wrestling, keep growing the audience and realizing that pro wrestling can speak to marginalized communities the same way that it speaks to all of the dudes who, you know, love Ring of Honor. <laughs> However many people are still like are going to Ring of Honor shows right now. I I'm not going to make that joke. That's a mean joke to make because I still like Ring of Honor. Um, but no, right. I, th- I think my expectations were right along the side with yours. I, I think for me, it was more so like knowing some of the talent that was going to be on this show. I knew that, you know, people like like Billy himself, Envy um, Young, Effie, Faye Jackson, a lot of like the more well-known independent talent that was on the card. Like I had expectations for what they were going to put on. And then getting the chance to see people that I had not seen live before was really awesome. Like I know, I think for me, I was already ex- excited to see people like Devin Monroe and Russell Rogue and, and, um, Killian McMurphy, like all of these awesome people, uh, that I had seen on, on streams and videos and YouTube and everywhere else. And finally get the chance to see them live. And, I feel like a lot of those same people that I was really interested in seeing kind of won you over too. I don't mean to jump ahead in in stuff here, um, but yeah, we'll definitely get into that. Yeah, but uh, Black Excellence left a mark, if yes. I have to say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess with that, like, well, did you have any like like emotions or, or feelings after seeing how that crowd filled out, just to see like the response before the show even started? Um, well, just going back to how this was a, the first sort of wrestling experience that a, uh, that a good chunk of the audience ever had just brings me back to some of my first wrestling experiences actually at Ring of Honor. Um, not that I didn't enjoy Ring of Honor, but um, for me, if, I, if this had been the first show that I experienced, um, I think that it would have meant a lot to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just as a, I don't know, beginner or intermediate, intermediary fan of wrestling, um, just being able to see uh, the difference in how it plays out, how um, how the wrestlers also kind of tied the audience into the show in some ways. Um making it interactive with the audience uh, was nice for me to see. It was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Why do you think, um, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm curious, why do you think like if this had been your first show that you would have had a kind of maybe a different opinion about pro wrestling as a whole instead of like, you know, the ring of honor shows that we went to back in Atlanta? I mean, I already had like preconceived notions of, what wrestling is mostly stemming from like WWF and largely that's just overly sexualizing women just to draw in an audience and not really actually utilizing um, women's talent. Um, The main difference with this of course is, or this kind of show is um, if women want to sexualize themselves, that's, acceptable but it's actually them choosing to do so rather than they have to do it in order to be in the show Hmm. no that's a good point because like there was definitely some um sexualization on this show that i think was definitely came from a a more pure place 
or more like um, more empowering. Empowering. I would say. That's the right word. That's the right word. Empowering place. Um, and we'll get into that also later <laughs> on because that that played into one of the best moments of the night for me personally. But um, that's a ways away here. Do you want to get into like some of the matches and kind of run through the card that we had here? Well, I actually really want to start with the pre-show. Oh yes, 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 yes. Talk about the pre-show. <laughs> the pre-show was so good. Okay. Um, so basically, the pre-show featured a lot of drag kings and essentially doing a set before all the wrestling started. Um, and for me, that was awesome, just because you often don't see drag kings. Um, so just the fact that it started out with drag kings was great. Um, and I thought that their show was great. And some of them were wearing shirts that said pretty boy drag, which I absolutely loved. Um, I believe that's the name of the troupe actually. Oh, pretty okay. Boy drag. That would make sense. Of course. Um, but I don't know. It was, a for some, it was just a good spectrum of drag kings on both masculine and feminine sides. Um, so as a non-binary person, not that, just as a non-binary person, uh, I think that that represented me in a lot of ways um, in my masculine and feminine self. No, I definitely agree. Sorry, I don't mean to, I had to run and grab my phone real quick. So I want to make sure that I get the name of this drag king troop right because they fucking killed it. Like, I had never seen a drag king show where they actually, like, play Limp Biscuit. And honestly, this is beside the point, but Limp Biscuit for some reason, had been a conversation topic multiple times while we were on this trip for other reasons that I will not get into tonight. Um, but <laughs> it was just very interesting, like, the serendipitous nature of it to where, like, like we have, like, a mix of, uh, like, they, they did Backstreet Boys and Limp Biscuit together and in a performance that had a huge message of... Uh, inclusivity and acceptance um amongst a bunch a bunch of uh a bunch of people and, and it was rad i really liked it definitely brought me back to the 90s oh yes there was there were multiple things about this show that brought that brought us back to the 90s i feel all right i'm i feel bad because i can't find it where i had it marked down but i'm pretty sure the name of the troop is pretty boy drag um if i i'll look it up later and, and i'll correct myself in the on the goodbyes and thank yous if I need to. <laughs> It'll be okay. Um, but yeah, Pretty Boy Drag was awesome. And then um, I believe also that was... We also had the show opening before everything went live on independentwrestling.tv um, where, you know, Gator was out there. Um, one of the co-founders of Primetime Pro Wrestling, uh, Mr. Gator, was out there talking to the crowd a little bit. And then we opened the show with Gator speaking to the crowd and introducing Lolo, the other co-founder and one of the uh, queer manders in chief uh, that put this show together. And I swear Lolo got, if not the loudest pop, one of the loudest pops from the crowd whenever they came out to take that symbolically, take that microphone from Gator to get this thing going. And I don't know that moment for me personally, it, it, it almost, it did actually, it, it brought a tear to my just to see like the response from the crowd and to see Lolo knowing what they have put into this show and seeing them take their spot in the ring as for their one night only return to ring announcing. Um, it was just, it was an awesome moment for me. I, I don't did anything from that uh, little start stand out to you. Well, I remember you telling me that 
a major reason why Gator stepped back was to make sure queer folks told the stories of queer folks. Mm-hmm. So that to me was why the symbolism of Lolo taking that mic was so powerful to me. Yeah, because it's it's something that is unheard of in in pro wrestling, where the the main uh, creative force, the the booker of the of the promotion, turns over those duties to someone else, um, just wipes their hands clean of it for one night only, and the fact that they were that he was willing to let Lolo and Billy have that power, um, like this was basically the mo- the moment that kind of like symbolized that the whole facet of, of what we're going to have for the night. And then of course, Billy coming out with his like streamer poppers and wearing the, the black and brown inclusive, uh, gay pride flag and just celebrating with his chocolate city championship belt and just it taking it all in. And I have to add the stream streamers were rainbow. Yes, of course. I mean, what other color were they going to be? <laughs> <laughs> but just I know, Billy's promo to open the show, like you know, because Billy was set up to face the the primetime pro wrestling heavyweight champion that night, uh, O'Shea Edwards, um, and you know, Billy is not one to stand down from a challenge, um, which speaks to another reason why him and Lola putting together the show had such power um, in it, because he wanted to make sure that he showcased people that deserve to be showcased and show that these people should not be excluded based off of their sexuality or, or any other characteristic that might put them into a marginalized community, so to speak. Um, and I really felt like their introduction um, goes back to that crowd interaction that I was talking about where um, they literally addressed um, being queer and having a queer audience and having a show for queer folks. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we also had uh, your first chance to see O'Shea Edwards in person. And I am very curious because like, I, I noticed there was a definite reaction from you whenever O'Shea came out. Um, I'm I'm curious your take. Like I don't know, there was some. I know you just gave me a look. <laughs> just, I don't know. There was something like you're just drawn back. Is like this this big like this beefy boy, like coming out and 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 interrupting Lolo and Billy to start off the show to set up the the match later on in the night. I'm just curious what your opinion was of O'Shea. Well, I mean, I think that really was setting him up as the heel because. He basically was like, I don't care if y'all are queer. Maybe not necessarily in those words, but mm-hmm. it was definitely setting him up to be the bad guy. Yeah. And- now, th- there was a moment there where he was like, you know, I know that you have all your friends here and that's cool and all, but it doesn't mean that you're going to beat me. <laughs> like, it basically, yeah. paraphrasing, you know, just because all your queer friends are here doesn't mean that you're going to knock me off the top or whatever. And. So like it was it was a fun little opening there and and very empowering and and if you watch the live broadcast I think that you could tell the energy in the room like the way the crowd was already hyped before the cameras went on like that that was the way it was for like the first half hour before and I thought that just really set up their match strongly later on in the show oh definitely definitely um, speaking of matches though I think we should jump into our opener which was a match that I was actually bragging to you about wanting to see really bad whenever it was announced um, and heading into this event. 
we had a match for the Pan African World Diaspora uh, Wrestling Championship, uh, a championship that belongs to Fight Club Pro Wrestling, another awesome DC promotion. Um, their champion Trisha Dora, the Afro Punk, Trisha Dora, defending the title against uh, Ashton Starr, uh, a favorite of mine that I've seen in a number of promotions, and I'm really happy to see him get the shine that he deserves here in this match. Um, I don't know. This one was like, a, it was a great opener. It was action packed. Both uh, wrestlers got the chance to show off what they can do. Um, you know, Trish came out on top uh, with uh, with a submission move. I was really hoping that she would finish it with the Lariat Tubman after I had talked that up to you specifically. <laughs> um, but I don't know. This match, it, it was the perfect match to open the card because it kept the energy up. Um, with, you know, Ashton's high-flying and both of them with their um, hard-hitting styles. And I I really, really like this match. Um, what were, what did you think? What were your takeaways? I thought it really showcased both their talents, like you were saying, but then also just having them as the opening match um, for me was great. Just their overall style. Um like both wrestling style and then costume style. Uh, it was just very entertaining for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could really speak to the technical skills that they have quite like you do, but it was <laughs> definitely impressive. Yeah. And, like, honestly, like that's the kind of takeaway that you want. You want like an impressive, exciting, especially for a, a show opener like that, um, that really kept the energy up, like kept everybody hyped. Oh Yeah. Yeah, and you know, there's been a lot. I've seen a lot of gifts about of that match going around Twitter. Um, oh, really? Days, but yeah, a lot. Of, uh, Ashton Star is getting the gift treatment a lot <laughs> uh, coming out of that match, and for good reason. Um, obviously, a losing effort there for for Ashton, but still, like, I don't think it's the last time we'll see him in prime time. That was his prime time debut, um, mm. also, and you know, he's fairly local. I think he's. I want to say he's in Atlanta or, or he's in DC. He's one of the two places. Um, or somewhere in between. And I, I think that he's, that primetime can provide him an awesome stage. Not, I mean, primetime, a number of places can provide him an awesome stage. And I don't mean to undersell Trisha Dora because Trisha Dora has been one of these, like, not throw out women wrestlers. She's been one of the best wrestlers I've seen the past year. I, every time she's on a card, it, it draws me in. I, I love watching Trisha Dora. Yeah, it was really hard for me because I wanted to root for both, but also <laughs> Tristora was just so awesome. I, yeah. I don't know. I was definitely rooting for both, but I was happy. Um, I was happy to see her win. Mm-hmm. Any other, uh, any other memories for this one before we move on to our second match of the evening? Okay. I don't think so. No problem. So that would make put us at the second match, which was a singles match between uh, the real mean girl, Danny Jordan. Oh, yes. Who I had seen at Action Wrestling back in December um, and killed it. Um, I know she's been going for a while now, but I haven't seen her live that much. But awesome wrestler. Taking on uh, Glitterlicious herself, Roni Nicole. Um, this match... Like honestly, I know that I had bragged up Faye Jackson as as a woman who likes to use her um her ass as a weapon um before we went to the show. Uh, that was before I knew that Roni was going to be on the show, and you had another um awesome female wrestler who 
likes to use their ass as a weapon. And I th- like this match. It was, I think the it, it had this. Uh, it kept the energy up. Um, and me personally, I really liked it. I liked the story that it tried to tell. I love Danny Jordan's Mean Girl gimmick. Um, I'm a sucker for anything that references that. The fact that she comes out with an actual burn book and has like pictures of her opponents in it makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know she had pictures of her opponents in it. Oh yeah, when whenever Roni was coming out, she had the binder open, showing it to the crowd, like oh. like right here, like about to get burned. And then of course <laughs> Roni defeats her handedly. Um, well, I mean, it was it was competitive, obviously. It but, was definitely competitive. But, I thought it could go either way. Exactly. But but Roni came out on top, which I think um, was awesome to see. I haven't seen a ton of Roni Nicole. Um, I think the last time I saw her was at um, the the last Uncanny Attractions Drax and Dropkicks show back in October, where she took on uh, Tara Calloway and uh, the undead... <laughs> <laughs> the undead warrior uh, nurse ratchet from hood slam so like that was really awesome i did it was a nice surprise for me personally because i didn't know she was going to be on the show mm-hmm. and i was really happy to have the chance to see her live um i was happy to see her because she and i matched i wore a corset she wore a corset and go. it was damn impressive seeing somebody wrestle in a corset <laughs> i can i can imagine <laughs> No, um, sorry. Yeah, I think, I I don't know. I feel like that, like, Roni wins, and and I think both uh, excited the crowd and kept the, kept the thing going. Um, I don't know. I feel like every match kept kept the, the environment, kept the atmosphere going, though. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I did miss... Um, parts of matches, um, just because I had to use the bathroom and the lines were super, super long. Should we talk about the elephant in the room with the bathroom situation? Or I mean, it was a be? rumor that you heard. It was. There are reports out there that um, the long lines for the bathrooms at the show were because uh, a lot of y'all were out there uh, making out and or other things, um, getting it in the bathrooms and while the concept of that might get a chuckle it's very very frustrating um that 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 happened because a lot of people missed a lot of that of action having to wait in the long line so like come on straighten that out a little bit there mm. yeah i know for you like you you missed at least i know you missed a good chunk of uh of one match in particular that i thought would be really cool for you to see. i was just gonna say i think it's gonna be hard for folks to straighten it out oh you got me damn it <laughs> i can never escape the fucking plans. <laughs> <laughs> i say that like it's a bad thing it's not a bad thing at all um but we should roll into our next matchup for the show, which was uh, the shooter Killian McMurphy against the returning Angelus Lane. Now, I did not; it had been kind of kept under wraps that that Lane was going to be on this show. Like she wasn't really announced until super, super close to the event, and I didn't know this at the time. But I, she's this was uh, one of her first matches back from injury. I think it was her first time back in prime time since coming back from a broken neck. So, 
seeing her in the ring again, the response from the crowd, the primetime regulars that were there that knew her were super excited to see her back. And I think that putting her in the ring with Killian McMurphy was a perfect choice because Killian McMurphy is a guy that I do not understand why he is not more high profile than he is right now because he has an awesome look. His gimmick is great because it just he's, he plays cocky so well. He's really fun. Yes, he's super fun to watch, and he's athletic as all hell. Like he's a great like technical wrestler, and like he can he can get it done in the ring, and he has he can do pretty much every facet of what you want out of a of a of a good heel. And it's a shame that he doesn't get. I don't see him pop up in more high profile indies than I do. Um, I hope that this starts to change those things because um, he was awesome in this match. Him and Lane killed it. Um, a lot of near falls. Um, Lane ended up coming out on top in in her return. Um, and I don't know. I really, I really dug this match. Um, I believe you described uh, <laughs> Killian McMurphy as a uh, as spunky to yes. me at one point. <laughs> Very spunky. Yes. And also, I just. I can't believe that uh, Lane came back from a neck injury Mm -hmm. Um, because it did not seem like that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Like pro wrestling is so odd. Like it's like, there's so many people that come back from neck injuries like that. (laughs) Well, just injuries in general. True. But like, I don't know. Broken neck injury. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They just keep seeming to pop up more and more as the industry evolves. But either way, like, you know, it was great to see Lane back and, and McMurphy and her put on an awesome show. And I think that Killing McMurphy's character work in this was awesome. I could see him just put his finger guns out and just yell shooter like mm-hmm. for a good five minutes straight. I'm fine with that. If that's all he does is just keep like <laughs> countering moves and then just look into the crowd and just letting them all just the boost shower over him. Like it's just perfect. I'm into it. All the way into it. And then we got our uh, the, the main event of the first half of the show before we went to intermission. The uh, three-way elimination match for the primetime pro wrestling tag team titles. Um, where the champions, the kings of the district, uh, Jordan Blade and Eel O'Neal, uh, defended the belts against uh, the tag team of the bird and the bee solo darling and willow nightingale and the surprise team of ariella nix um accompanied by <laughs> um who i believe i can define their entire gimmick in primetime for wrestling as uh um the uh are the straights okay subreddit uh <laughs> mark adam haggerty <laughs> Along with their surprise uh, tag team partner, uh, Logan Black. Uh, this match was a lot of fun. I think my one of my... Honestly, the match was great. My favorite moment of this match, though, was seeing the sheer passion and emotion on Jordan Blade's face during the Kings of the District's entrance. And she came out draped in that bisexual flag, holding it high and just fucking screaming while Eel was just sitting there like, yeah, like, this is... This is this is the shit. Like, this is fucking, like, this whole thing is fucking great. I don't know. Eel had a completely different demeanor than he normally does because he's normally a bit more, um, I don't, I guess for lack of a better term that I can think of right now, spastic um, at times, but he was much more subdued and much more just like, yo, here to fuck shit up and ready to go to, to go into battle with, with my um, my bisexual uh, tag team partner here who was, like, 
on point with the pride. Like just you could see it ex- like just pouring out of her. Absolutely. And let me get this right. This was two v two v two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I think I missed a big chunk of that match. I remember you were there for the for the entrances, and mm-hmm. then this was where the bathroom lines took their toll for, yes. for you. This is, <laughs> yeah, because you missed a good chunk of this match. You, I think you came back just shortly before the first elimination. Yeah, I didn't know what was going on, though, at that point. So Yeah. So the match itself, um, a lot of action here. These are three awesome tag teams. Um, even Ariel and Nix and Logan Black, which is fairly makeshift, they're both um, good singles wrestlers. Um, both primetime pro wrestling regulars. Then you had uh, Darling and Nightingale, who um, have been a tag team for a while now. Another person, Night- Willow Nightingale, another person who has come back from a broken neck. Not this show being their, her first show back, but coming off a broken neck uh, fairly recently, I want to say in the last couple of years. Um, but they are a tag team that gets a lot of action in uh, Shimmer and other uh, promotions that feature a lot of female talent. They are very, very popular uh, tag team on the indie circuit right now so it was awesome to, to get the chance to see them live in this match and then the kings of the district like they they're a fairly young team but they've they've uh like cohesed that's not a right that's not a word but we're gonna go with it they've they've like really melded their their styles very well between like the baby hoss eel o'neill and the ankle breaker jordan <laughs> blade um, it's been awesome to, I, I've, I've become a huge fan of Kings of the District, um, in the short time that they've been a tag team and this match showcased all of their talents, all six of the people in the ring. Um, even Mark Adam Haggerty outside of the ring, just riling up the crowd, uh, the way that he does coming out, he came out in a fucking surgical mask <laughs> talking <laughs> about the flu and how <laughs> just trying to like protect himself from the coronavirus. Which, you know, I don't know. It, it, it made me laugh, even though it's a serious thing. still made me laugh in some ways. Well, from what you saw of the match, no? Okay. I, this match was like really awesome for me. Of course, uh, the Kings of the District eliminate Ariel Nix and Logan Black and then um, hit their double face buster uh, finisher Um on Solo Darling to, to eliminate the Bird and the Bee and, and retain their titles. Um, a lot of awesome uh, multi-person spots in this match. A lot of um, frantic action um, all throughout. I really love uh, the double anchor break, ankle breaker spots that uh, O'Neal and, and Blade work into almost all of their matches. And and I I don't know I really dug this match like I re- this was like probably top three of the night for me, mm. um, just because and I I know it's a personal preference I think because seeing like someone hoist the by flag as high and as proud as that like yeah. for, for me personally like I think that's gonna have a huge influence on my feeling about it but it was really awesome to see like. Because like we didn't, that was one thing that surprised me about this show is that we didn't see a ton of of flagging. Like we saw, like you know, Billy had his flag, and then Jordan had her flag. There was another person with the rainbow flag. Um, there were, the people had like the rainbow flag implemented into their gear at times, but like I didn't see like the crowd. I didn't see a ton of people like ha- that brought flags to the show or um, yeah. I know Lolo mentioned on Twitter like later on, like shout out to the people that noticed that I was flagging, and I've gone back and looked, and I'm, I'm 
I feel terrible that I can't figure it out for myself, but that's just me, I guess. I don't know. I'd have to look back at some pictures. Yeah, I'll see. Might be the color scheme of their shirt. I think that's what it was, but I, I haven't, I don't know. I tried getting good pictures, but a lot of the pictures <laughs> I got were blurry. You got some, though. You got some good ones. <laughs> I really like some of the stuff that you got. Um, but no, like this match was this match ruled. I love this match, and then it played into I guess what technically was the uh, the intermission, clo- uh, the, the intermission main event where we technically got a match between Lolo and Mark Adam Haggerty because Mark Adam Haggerty demanded a no disqualification match against Lolo, and that lasted all of a few minutes because Billy came out and basically like hoisted up. Haggerty on his shoulders and like it just kind of like devolved into madness a little bit and then Lolo got the roll up for the win and so Lolo is undefeated yes. in primetime pro wrestling. <laughs> undefeated. <laughs> yes. And will more than likely stay that way. <laughs> so so with that they went to intermission. Um and then we came back and our first match back was the Primetime Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship match between uh, Billy Dixon and Noche Edwards. And I think the first thing, and I don't mean to like set you up on this here, but I think the first thing that you really noticed, like mentioned to me, other than Billy, anything Billy did, I think in, in the entrance to this match and in this match, like really stood out to both of us, but O'Shea's entrance. Yes. He had that awesome mask. Mm -hmm. Um, is a silver demon, demon-esque mask. Yeah. And, I just, just the way he played it up was just perfect, um, and it sounded to me like that was the first time he had that sort of entrance. Yes, it was a new entrance for him. I don't know if it's a permanent entrance for him. Um, normally, he comes out to uh, to a Jay Z song that gets the crowd going and they can all sing along to it, which he did the first time yes. um, when he came out during the introduction. Whenever he interrupted Billy and Lolo uh, to start off the show. But yeah, this new entrance, like, it really plays into his uh, Big Bad Kaiju nickname. Um, that He is just a big boy from Atlanta who will knock your fucking head off. Definitely the bad guy, especially because he did not give the little kid a high five. Yes. Oh my God. Can we talk about the little kid real quick? <laughs> yes. This little kid that was in front of us the entire night. If you're watching the show live, you can see him. He's in the guardrail on the yellow t-shirt. Right by the entrance way. He was so excited the entire night. Yes. He was so excited to get um, either like high fives or elbow Just recognition. Shots. Yeah. Yeah. Just something from everybody. And O'Shea big timed him. O'Shea <laughs> big timed this little kid who just wanted a little bit of, of his time ahead of his title <laughs> match. Um, and it was it was such a bummer. But that's why he's the bad guy. Exactly. So is it really a bummer if he's being the bad guy as the as someone who was that little kid at one point <laughs> yes <laughs> all right it sounds personal for you no it's okay it, it, was, it was it was good heel work and that's what wrestling is about it's about playing a character and after the show like you can do whatever you want after the show and O'Shea is from all I didn't get a chance to talk to him or meet him at this show but from all everything that I've heard about him like he is an, he's an awesome guy um Anyway, back to the match, though, because he, while he is an awesome guy outside of the ring, inside of the ring, he is a beast. And this was a match between two guys that were ready to just knock each other's blocks off. 
Like Billy had something to prove. O'Shea was like, not going to take it. Not going to take anything, and he was way, way overconfident going into this. The whole storyline with this was that Billy wanted O'Shea to take him seriously, because O'Shea just wasn't at all. And so, like, finally O'Shea was like, "Okay, I will." And then it turned out in, into this match where, like, Billy had a lot of hope spots. He hit his bodega press near the beginning of the match, and I think that really like shocked some people because they were like, "Oh, he hit his finisher." This could be over quick. They could actually, he could actually win the belt, and um, you know, obviously O'Shea kicked out. They brawled on the outside. There's a lot of like hard hitting action. Billy hit a really awesome looking spine buster in this match, and and then it just eventually, you know, O'Shea is just too much. Um, Billy succumbs to uh, a couple of F fives straight onto his face and, and is knocked out for the night basically afterwards. Like Lolo was there, like crouching over him, just trying to check on him. And O'Shea which O'Shea and Lolo have their own beef. sort of beef going on right now. Um so like O'Shea just getting in, in, in their face about destroying Billy the way that he did. It was just like it there's a lot of emotion in there and, and it just further both guys came out looking great out of this match because like Billy proved that he can be an actually that he could prove uh, God Billy proved that he could be a uh, legit challenger in that spot in that top spot and O'Shea just more and more they are just building him up for the eventual person who's able to knock him off the top Um, and it's gonna be very interesting to me who they decide to go with to finally uh, dethrone him as champion I thought Billy would definitely beat O'Shea just because of the buildup at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, it did kind of take a turn for me. And then just seeing Billy remain laying in the ring. Um, actually, I had a lot of appreciation for the event EMS folks because they were definitely looking out and just seeing Billy lay there. They were like, hmm. Or at least seemed like they were wondering, do they need to get involved? Or is this still just the show? (laughs) So obviously the show was great because even the EMS, event EMS dudes were pondering. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of story, this is probably the best match of the night for me. Um, And which is honestly, that's the case with Billy's matches. I know like... The first one of, of his matches that really stood out to me was um, his match against Effie at Diva Mania uh, last April, um, which had another similar story that really focused on like black queer erasure and mm. and um, and that sort of stuff and like you know white privilege within the queer community and that sort of stuff. So like, he he definitely plays into um, these these stories that are specific to you know his community and and us the 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 wider lgbtq community as well as the the you know people of color um communities of color you know like there's i think that if you were going to get a heavy story match on this card it was going to be billy's match and it it played uh, played out to a t the way that i think it was meant to um it was very impactful i would say um also if you shout out to uh, Billy's overalls, those are his original um, overalls. And tonight, that night was the uh, retirement of those uh, <laughs> overalls. They are currently up on auction on eBay right now. Oh, wow. Um, check out Billy's Twitter at the Billy Dixon. If you want to get in on that, all of the pro or I think either all or a portion of the proceeds 
are going to a charity that supports um, homeless queer youth, I want to say. I feel bad speculating about that. That's something that I should actually know, the name of the organization, right? I'm a prepared man. <laughs> this is all staying in, by the way, because I am I am not perfect. <laughs> I... Well, yes. What what did what what was your takeaway for the story? Did that make you? Was that good for you? I mean, it definitely was. Um, I actually like my favorite sort of. It might not have been too much of a story match, but my favorite story between wrestlers was actually the next match. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um, well, let's get to that real quick. But before we do, I have the name of the organization now here. Um, the the Ali Forney Center. It's a homeless shelter for queer youth in New York City. Okay. So um, the uh, let's see, all of the money, all of the proceeds for the the auction go to uh, to the Ali Forney, Forney Center. So definitely, if you're interested in donating to a good cause and getting some uh, sweet ring used gear out of it, go check out uh, Billy's auction on eBay right now at the Billy Dixon for all the details there. I think that's his pinned tweet on the top of his profile right now. So check it out. It's up there for the next uh, nine days. I want to say, um, but yeah. yes, the next match. So the next match was still life with apricots and pears versus lady frost, which I did have to have still life with apricots and pears <laughs> Full name explained to me because I was not sure if I heard things right because um, my ears still hadn't quite popped um, coming out the plane from um, to DC. Um, but um, so it's my understanding still life is non binary. Yes. So non binary rap, whoop, whoop. Um, and I really liked this match for quite a few reasons, like still life. Um, was very expressive um, with the way with their movements in general, but Lady Frost was as well. So it was just really cool to see these two folks pitted against each other. Um, but Lady Frost also had her her tag team partner, her devious tag team partner. Yes, the uh, the Savage Gentleman. Um, his name escapes me. Victor Benjamin. I had it written down. But I forgot <laughs> it. Oh, yeah. Yes. So. That match was pretty cool just because Victor kept interrupting, um, of course, where the ref couldn't see. So um, just throughout the entire match, um, Lady Frost was just kind of playing up um, her own character while Victor was honestly just doing some devious shit um, to interrupt and try to take still life down. So it was very much a 2v1 match. No, it definitely was. They kept trying to find ways to uh, to undercut and undermine um, the referee in that match. Um, to the uh, point where the crowd was saying, ref, you suck. Ref, you suck. Yes. I think, I think that might have been some of the people that it was their first time being at the show. I don't know <laughs> if that happened. But yes, that was a ref, you suck chant that it went down in this match. Eventually, Victor Benjamin gets gets uh, thrown out after uh, they after him and uh, Lady Frost hit uh, Still Life with a snowball fight. 
yes. which literally consisted of snowballs, which I I really li- I really like that spot every time it happens in one of uh, Pretty Proper Pretty Proper's matches, which Pretty Proper is the name of their tag team. Oh, okay. Yes. So, and but, then just the look on her face when the ref does kick him out, she's just holding her head, yes, mouth wide, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, he just walked off. Yeah, and then immediately, still life hits the springboard drop kick for the for the finish for the win, um, right after Victor Benjamin gets thrown out. So, but still life, still life is another person who I was super excited to see live for the first time at this show because still life has been on my radar as a fan for a while now. They've done a lot of work, great work in Chikara, um, Prime Time, other places in the Northeast and along the the Mid Atlantic East Coast there. And, you know, I know I had to explain Still Life's character to you. With no, them. just the name. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, though. Like, he, like with them being basically uh, a, a walking work of art. Yes. Yes. And, like, plays very much into, like, their movements and, like, the way that they carry themselves in the ring and that sort of thing. And this was a treat for me because I've been wanting to see Still Life live for a long time and Still Life did not disappoint Um a lot of high flying action. I think we had our first uh, over the rope uh, tope um, of the night. I want to say where where um, still I jumped over the top rope to the floor. Uh huh. Yeah, I think that was the first one of those of the night. If I'm not mistaken, I might be mistaken, but either way, um, a lot of action here. Really happy to see Lady Frost get a. Uh, get a good spot on this show as well. And then of course this match plays into um Primetime Pro Wrestling show that's going to happen in Tampa on WrestleMania weekend as long as WrestleMania weekend still happens. Mm. Um where the Primetime Pro Wrestling tag team titles are going to be on the line in another three-way match but not elimination this time to mm. my knowledge. It's going to be the Kings of the District against Pretty Proper Against the debut of the first ever all non-binary tag team, oh, them, yes, <laughs> which will consist of Still Life with Apricots and Pears and friend of the show Sophie King, awesome. the Heck Boy. Um, I am super excited for that match, and and it's to deviate from Butch versus Gore just for a second. I think the fact that we are going to like get an all non-binary tag team at another primetime event and. Primetime's continued uh, focus on trying to create a diverse roster um, across all different... um, Because, again, we exist outside of just June. Exactly. I think it's... They should be commended. The company itself should be commended um, for for trying to maintain that level of diversity beyond just, like, a queer-focused show or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and them is a great. I just love that name. I Me just too. love that name so much. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, but yeah, still life defeats Lady Frost um, and, in, a, in a great match. And then of course uh, we had to get the uh, the update on the little boy who ended up getting uh, an elbow bump from Still Life on the way out. So yes, our little friend at the guardrail uh, triumph there, where he did not with O'Shea. And then that leads into the uh, the semi-main event of the night, which was the seven-person match for the Pride of Primetime uh, Award. I don't know how they fit that many people in the ring, just saying. Yes, so <laughs> the seven people that we had in this match was an elimination match. 
Um, an elimination, a seven-person elimination match with a twenty-minute time limit. I do not know how like that. That screams like cruiserweight invitational at WrestleMania nineteen levels of like quick pinballs to me when I heard that. But I'm glad that it actually got plenty of time uh, to work with here. We had in this match uh, the leader of the Polycult, the American attraction, MV Young, friend of the show. We had uh, Russell Rogue. Um, one a uh, awesome talent out of Minnesota that I was really awesome, really happy to see, and that really got you going because of their entrance music, or yeah, because of the entrance music, uh, Britney Spears. Yeah, this is where we had uh, Russell Rowe came out to oops, I did it again, <laughs> and then of course Jared Evans, another awesome pro wrestler making um his pro- primetime pro wrestling debut, coming out to. Um, hit me baby one more time, which immediately led to a confrontation with Russell Rogue as the match started. Oh yeah. Between, uh, the two people who had the Britney Spears based entrances, um, which might play into something coming for a a Butch versus Gore sequel down the line. Um, and then of course we had, uh, Erica Lee, who, uh, I, the crowd affectionately referred to as Lisa Frank for most of the match, um, based off of their, uh, gear and fanny pack. Uh, combo, uh, lots of zebra stripes with uh, rainbow, uh, neon rainbow colors around behind it. We had uh, Corinne Mink, um, who was uh, basically came out with a couple of beers, just ch- just dumping them on her <laughs> face, a la Stone Cold Steve Austin, and like threw the beers. And I thought this was funny because we were by the entrance way. Whenever she threw the beers up and they landed, Ashton Starr, who was hanging out. Um, right outside of the curtain, like grab the beer. <laughs> him and another person, they might have been torn to the intern, um, grabbed the beers from that, that Kareem threw up in the air onto the ground and picked them up and started drinking out of them. Oh, yeah. So, like, a funny moment there for for, for us that went down. Um, so, Corey and Meek, and then we had, uh, I believe the last one, oh no, we had two more. We had um, probably, I would say, other than, I don't know. I don't want to put. I don't know. Let me let me put it this way. I to me the way that these two last two people came off, they were your two favorites in the match. That would be AC Mack, the Action Wrestling Champion, um, and Black Excellence Devin Monroe. Yes, the twenty-one-year-old phenom who had probably one of the best rookie years of of in, of an independent wrestler last year. Um, so, I'm curious what what stood out to you from this match as a whole. Were there any moments that really spoke to you? Well, I really liked the beginning where Russell Rogue just started picking a fight, and then basically everybody just starts beating up on Russell, <laughs> just because he was so. Um, what was the word that I used? I believe the word you used was impish. Yes, but that's not a, like that's not the <laughs> in a good right, way. Yes, in a good in way. In a good way. Like just because it was really entertaining. Yes, um, like he was very extra, very getting in people's faces. Yeah, like very much just being like, like take me seriously and blah blah blah. Like you know, a great character, great character work to start off, and then of course the other six just beat him down, and then we get the the ball rolling on everything there. Yeah, so that was a really good introduction to the elimination match. Um, And, of course, he did end up getting eliminated. But he came back 
just mm-hmm. to still beat up on people, which I loved because I wasn't expecting that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so just when he entered the area again and then actually got up into the ring, I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> just because I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. Ended up ended up costing Devin Monroe um, the match. Which I w- was definitely rooting for Devin Monroe and Black's excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, just because... I really uh, relate to or dig his um, slight femininity um, in his wrestling style. And then just obviously because he also uses the term black sex lens. Um, <laughs> so I was really rooting for him. Um, but I also was still very um, excited for who ended up winning the match. Yes. That would be AC Mack. Um, representing Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it wasn't Black's Excellence, Devin Monroe, then um, I was definitely rooting for AC Mack. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he's supposed to be the heel. Because um, <laughs> actually, you didn't talk too much about his introduction. I was going to get to that, actually. Okay. Because like, I think that was one of the highlights. There's so many great moments in this match. I mean, There really were. Kareem Mink, just Stephen Stone Cold stunners left and right to people. MV hitting his normal polycult shit. Like, shut, like the, the pelvic thrust blowing the kiss into the super kick combo is just something that will always get over with me. Um... Then you had like Devin Monroe flying all over the ring, really implementing his lucha style with the the arm drag, like the the spinning and flowing arm drags, and just so good. Russell Rogue and Jared Evans, their character work was great. Jared Evans, this the being one of the final two left in the match, like he he showed out in his primetime pro wrestling debut. He mm-hmm. showcased that he has a lot to offer to this and any other company that wants to book him. A great showing on his behalf, and then uh, I think. Other than um, Devin Monroe and AC Mack, I think Erica Lee had the the crowd the most in this match. Um, Lisa and, Frank. Yes, Lisa Frank. Yeah, they were um, definitely chanting Lisa Frank. Yes, like she like just Chris Spears, a lot of great moves. What Eric Shorey, DJ Accent reported the nobodies on commentary called the gayest Tower of Doom spot ever, <laughs> um, where all seven of them came crashing down on a giant you know Tower of Doom spot. Um, just everything in this match delivered. Like, this match was great. And then, of course, to open it all up, AC Mack was the first person out with his belts that he always makes someone hold up for him. And and Lolo got that duty tonight. So while he was cutting his promo to the crowd about, you know, not understanding why he was here because he's not part of the community (laughs) that was being celebrated... Um, and everything else just kind of was beneath him. Yes, well, I mean, there's a reason why on the caution tape pants that he wears, it says caution loudmouth right above <laughs> his crotch. Um, so, like, AC Mack, like, basically just delivered a great promo ahead of time. and just kept, every time he turned around and told Lolo to hold the belts up higher, just like, up, up, like. I loved that. Yes. Just, I loved that oh cockiness. Oh, God. It was so good. Like it made it just, I laughed every time that that, that went down there. Um, so I'm really glad that AC Mac like stood out to you in that way. I knew that Devin would. I had a feeling Russell would. We've seen MV before, and MV definitely stood out to both of us. Yeah. So in actually, Portland. yeah, we saw MV Young in Portland, and I don't remember mention 
mentions of the polycult there. Okay, so we had this conversation after we got back to our Airbnb that night. So whenever, like you said, whenever we saw Envy at Naughty or Nice in December of last year, the polycult had not become a thing yet. Mm. Um, MV Young was still very much in American attraction mode, very much in, you know, um, um, overconfident, heel, sort of tweener sort of thing mode. The polycult came about shortly after that, and it's effectively turned him into this, like, huge baby face to a <laughs> lot of the crowd and a lot of people online. Like, you know, there's there were jokes about beforehand about him being like the, like a petulant stepson or something to some people in the community, just like in terms of like his character and that sort of thing. Um, but of course not talking about envy, the person envy, the person is great. I love him, but this polycult thing really caught on online. Um, and it just, it just, the snowball just kept rolling and rolling and rolling and he's just running with it. And I think it's great. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Like, Dude has found another awesome uh, way to really open up the uh, the wrestling audience to one like topics they wouldn't normally talk about, you know, if they're not within the the, the poly community or the queer community, and then bringing in the poly and the queer community even more, making mm-hmm. that space the wrestling space even more comfortable for those people, and getting over and selling like like fucking like neon blasting T-shirts. Um, in the process, um, which I love those, by the way, I, I want a pink one really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that was really, I, I was really glad that it was a really interesting point that you brought up whenever you, we were talking about that, because I hadn't really thought about it at first, but I'm like, yeah, no, the polycold has effectively turned Envy Young into one of like the hottest baby faces uh, on the independent scene in some ways. Um, yes, that was an interesting change for me because mm-hmm. I didn't remember it from Portland, and then everybody was screaming "Polycult" when he mm-hmm. came out. I don't know if you noticed, but on his like jacket, his it vest, says "Polycult." Yeah, yeah. I did <laughs> notice that beforehand, but I didn't know what it meant yeah. until basically he came out and everybody was screaming it. I think technically we're in the Polycult because I talked to him on the show, and that might have put us in there. I don't know. It, oh, I don't know. I mean, I am in the Polycult, but okay. I didn't think it was because of that well i mean okay well there you go we're in the polycult i i think we can do that anyway <laughs> uh anywho so yeah ac mac came out on top uh last pinning jared evans um in a match that was action-packed stupendous all of these people were great to see um live and i i really like how they keep like making this budding rivalry between action wrestling and primetime pro wrestling more of a thing. Um, and I can't wait to see where it actually culminates. Because I know that AC is like playing up a match against O'Shea. Mm. Maybe title versus title. Uh-huh. Since O'Shea also wrestles in action wrestling down in Atlanta. So, yeah. We'll see what happens. I'm, there's there's definitely some cards on the table to, and some that are still left to be played there. Um, but a match that has no cards left to play because they played more than their fair share... Um, was our main event. Which was a 2v1. Mm. It was oh. Effie yes. versus Faye Jackson and her butt. Yes. <laughs> For the uh, the debuting Primetime Pro Wrestling 51st State Championship, um, which Effie won at their last event in January. But unfortunately, the belt had not been made yet. 
<laughs> um, so we didn't get to see the belt until tonight, and it's a beauty of a belt, let me tell you. I, I really dig it. Um, but that was not the story of this match. The story of this match was basically just a celebration of sexuality in all of its like amazing, empowering forms. Um, like basically the story, let me, let me set up this match for those that didn't follow the, the promos online and everything. So basically Effie was defending his belt and he cut a promo building up the match where he basically was more worried about getting a boner from facing Faye Jackson than he was about defending his belt. He didn't even remember that the belt was on the line until the very end when he's like, he's like, I'm more worried about getting a boner. And he's like, oh yeah, there's a title on the line. There's a title on the line. Um, yeah, so there's that too. And like the <laughs> Faye like ran with that. And like I think they both ran with it, honestly, to the point where the entire this entire match was just basically Faye trying to get Effie to like succumb to her butt. And just just her like just her body in general, her her genuine sexuality overall. Yes. So this is what I was getting at, definitely when I was saying um it's really nice to see people being able to express their sexuality and um, be empowered by it uh, without having to be sexual or sexualized in order to be in the show. Um, like I appreciated that this was a celebration of sexuality rather than sex for the sake of sex, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I'm right there with you. I, I think that it, pl- it plays a lot into uh the way that Faye Jackson likes to carry herself and the way that she like portrays herself in and out of the ring. Like the, like the Faye Jackson you get in the ring is very much the Faye Jackson you get out of the ring as well. Mm. So like very confident, very proud, um, and not afraid to talk openly about like her sexuality and about her, just like how sex positive she is. Um, which is another reason why I think she's. It's awesome that she's having her gray sweatpants battle royal down in Tampa. If that happens, still if everything happens <laughs> down in Mania weekend, um, that's an awesome thing for me. Um, but back to this match. Um, basically, the most of the action in this match played into just Faye trying to make Effie succumb. Like basically, the first part of the match was just her turning around, bending over, and. Effie was stopped in his tracks Mm -hmm. and looked like he was deciding whether he was going to grab that ass or just keep on resisting. Keep on resisting. Mm -hmm. Which I will commend Effie. He held out for a good long while. This match went about 20 minutes and for the first like 10, like 15 or so, he was maintaining some form of self-control. <laughs> um, lot of, there's a good hard-hitting action in here, but it was definitely more of a um, more of a character story-driven match, I would say. And Which I really enjoy. Exactly. I think, like, any good wrestling event, you're going to have a little bit of everything. And, like, this was just another... This was something that we hadn't really seen on the show to this point. You know, we hadn't really seen an overt expression of sexuality in this way. Right. The, um, on the show until now. So I, my favorite moment of this match, um, was probably, it was one thing that we really didn't get this to see that much because they went out in the crowd on the opposite side of where we were. And we ended up getting a, a very small snippet of a, of a bar top, uh, twerking offense from Faye Jackson, where she lured in Effie 
as whoever was controlling the music on the night put on juveniles back that ass up. <laughs> and there were dollar bills flying. Yes. Dollar bills flying, and this was the first moment where Effie succumbed for just a lo- just a short amount of time. At least from what we could see. Yes, like up on the bar, like he basically he was very much just like clutching his cheeks <laughs> and his beard and just like trying to not, and then just like grabbed it for like a split second, and then just like nah, jumping off the bar. Just <laughs> a lot of great, a lot of great facials, a lot of great character work in this match. They get back in the ring, like Faye looks like she hasn't won. Um, but then Effie, with a quick roll-up and a surprise roll-up, um, gets the victory, retains his belt. Um, and, you know. But also, it was hilarious, because when they got back in the belt, yes. um, Effie just, like, pulls a bunch of dollar bills out of his uh, tiny shorts. <laughs> and the kid, again, going back to that kid, who could not see the dance up on the bar, was mm. like, he stole all those dollars! <laughs> <laughs> Stole all that money. Which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So good. So, yeah, like, I, oh God. It was the perfect way to cap off this night in terms of, like, entering action, I think. Yeah. So, overall, I just really loved, I'm not only the show, but also the crowd's reaction to the show. Yes, 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 yes. Um, and, of course, like, we end the night with Lolo back in the ring with probably my favorite quote of the night. Um where they're addressing the crowd as being like thanking the crowd for coming out and show and, and, and their words, um, thank you for coming out and showing the world what an audience actually, what an audience can look like when you make wrestling, when you actually make wrestling for fucking everybody. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's the parting message. I think this show really has is that, you know, promotions that try and make excuses for for not booking queer talent or talent of color or, or more uh, female talent. You know, people that think that queer wrestlers can only draw in Pride Month. Like, this was the line in the sand. This was the point where, like, no, you can't make those excuses anymore. Because, like, they sold out. They 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 more, more than, than sold, sold out, out. Yeah. that show, and not to mention like all of the people that tuned in live on independentwrestling.tv, Butch versus Gore. The hashtag on Twitter was like trending nationwide. The low at the lowest point during the show that it was trending was at number sixteen. Like it is in the top sixteen, top fifteen of the night for the entire run of the show for the most part. Like this was by far a a land. I I know I put this in my article up on Outsports about the show, but this by far was a landmark event in LGBTQ pro wrestling, and and I am so happy that we were both there to see it. But I'm even more so happy that it actually that it happened. Yeah, like this was great. I guess that can lead into overall takeaways. Like what what was your major takeaway from from the show in and of itself? Well, um, I don't know how much of a takeaway this is necessarily, because I, I definitely appreciated um, just how diverse um, the show was. Um, but I think there always could be critiques. Of course. Um, I don't think I really saw uh, Latinx folks and Asian folks. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, still life with Abercot's face was covered, and I don't want to presume anybody's racial identity either. Um, but that just seemed an area where um, there wasn't a lot of representation necessarily. 
Um, so I don't know if that's really an overall takeaway, but um, really I, I have discussed a lot of what my takeaways were throughout, and that's mm-hmm. my main sort of critique yeah. of the show. Yeah. I think, honestly, for me, like, yeah, obviously there were some critiques there. Like, And I don't know, maybe it's just more difficult to book because uh, I haven't seen a lot of Asian wrestlers outside of like New Japan Pro Wrestling, which obviously is Asian. Miss Japan, yeah. And then, <laughs> of course, um, Lucha Wrestling, which is Latinx. Mm-hmm. Um, you definitely have like Latinx talent in that area. I think the the East Coast is a bit harder sometimes to book Asian talent just because of like location and stuff like that. But honestly, I think like we said with the show, like at the time for making excuses is is out the window and and i think that um honestly for the for the most part this show really set the bar for what other companies need to start doing absolutely um just whenever it comes to talent of any marginalized community because you will draw more fans that way you will make new fans that way i mean i can't think of anybody that left that show that wasn't hyped to see another primetime pro wrestling show. Mm-hmm. Like apparently their pre-orders for their, um, their pre-sales for their next event in DC in April are already like getting slammed. So like there's wow. a, there's a reason primetime pro wrestling isn't even a year old yet. And wow. they're already have this reputation built up. They're doing something powerful in the district right now. Wrestling for everyone. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, I and I I would be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit about some of the uh, the little sprinklings that we've got about a possible sequel to Butch vs. Score Two. The one thing that I will highlight is that Billy Dixon is already. I know this is always tongue in cheek with Billy. He likes to joke around a, a lot sometimes. Sometimes he can be deadly serious, and I can I sometimes don't know from reading a tweet about how serious or jokey an idea is. But he's already talking about doing a Britney Spears open invitational at Butch vs. Gore 2, where every entrant in the match comes out to a different Britney Spears song. Which I just love the idea of that. Yes. Because, like, if, if Russell Rogue and Jared Evans' little Britney Spears standoff was anything to hype up a match like that, like, I think that would, that would kill, um, for a Butch versus Gore show. Um, but yeah, I think overall outstanding experience. It really was. Yeah. This was my, um, favorite live event that I've been to so far. I think the same for me. And that's, that says a lot. Cause you've been to quite a few. I've been to a lot. <laughs> We're talking like almost 20, Jesus Christ, almost 20 years at this point uh-huh. of live wrestling that I've been to. And, yeah, this was this was the tops, and this is exactly why I can't watch WWE anymore. I mean, I already couldn't watch WWE because <laughs> the last time you put on a WWE pay per view, I was like, I can't do this. I'm out. Yeah, um, and this just again sets that bar even higher for me, and really kind of nails that or. or hammers in that last nail in the coffin of I can't watch WWE. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. I don't blame you You can still enjoy it. I know. And I'm not saying you, you shouldn't. Just not for me, necessarily. Enjoy's a heavy word with WWE at times, but there's still some good stuff there, but yes. No, I understand that. I'm just really glad that there's a, there are there's a company out there that is working to create spaces for, for queer people, and, and there are a number of, of companies out there now. And yeah. I'm looking just, forward to see where it goes from here. Exactly. You know, gonna, there's going to be more. That's what I'm thinking. Like, there's going to be more. 
The example's mm-hmm. been set. Butch versus Gore is the bar for everybody else to clear now. And it's going to be a hard fucking job <laughs> mm-hmm. for you to clear it. But please shoot your shot. For <laughs> fuck's sake, shoot your shot. <sighs> thank you, sweetie. For well, thank you for having me. Of course. I am pretty positive that Bush versus Gore is going to be an event that we talk about for a long time to come. And, you know, like I said in the article that I wrote for Outsports about this, and, and like I said tonight, like, the line in the sand has been drawn. The rest of the wrestling world is on fucking notice. <laughs> and, and it's going to be great to see. Um, Before we get out of here, though, I do want to give a quick update uh, regarding Tampa, WrestleMania 36, and the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, last word that we've gotten here from uh, the mayor of Tampa Bay um, a statement saying uh, regarding possibly canceling events like WrestleMania 36. This is courtesy of uh, Fox 13 in Tampa Bay. Shout outs to y'all. Um, we don't, quote, we don't have to take immediate action for events weeks down the road, end quote. Um, like I said in the opening, E3 was scheduled for June. It's canceled. The NBA season has been postponed uh, indefinitely. That was going to run through June, at least, with the playoffs. The MLS season is reportedly being suspended. There are plenty of people who are canceling or postponing stuff months out. So do not sit here and say that you have to, that you don't need to take immediate action whenever something is happening in weeks. Okay? To date, Florida has had, I believe, three, two deaths in, of this virus. In its state, they have 30 known cases. Um, don't fuck with this. A lot, of, and a number of these cases are in Tampa, sir. So, so do not fuck around with this. Seriously, I get that we want to have our events. I really do. Trust me, I want to go to Tampa. I have been looking forward to Tampa for a long time now. But public officials need to do their job and hold the people that um, are dragging their feet on this accountable. That's just how these things need to go. Like, dude, don't give me that message whenever there are plenty of other people that are like, yo, like we've already canceled stuff. Months out because of this thing. It shows a lack of concern, honestly. It shows you where your concern actually is. Um, so... We'll see if anything changes, but for now, that's where we're at. No official word. I think the Tampa, the mayor of Tampa Bay is scheduled to meet with uh, officials and discuss a uh, possible limiting on mass gatherings um, later this afternoon. Um, we'll see if anything happens to that. I'm sure that my eyes will be glued to these sort of things, but <sighs> that's the show. Um, I hate to end there so let's not end there let's end with some rad thank yous to rad people who help make this show as rad as it possibly can be starting off with daniel quasar the designer of the progress pride flag that we use in our logo the progress pride flag designed by daniel quasar is a product of progress initiative you can find out more at quasar.digital and then of course thank you to sarah and the safe word for our awesome theme song formula 666 that's off the album red hot and holy 
You can find them on Twitter at STSWBand, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. You can follow the show on Twitter at LGBTRingPod. And, of course, we have to promote tomorrow's show here on the Outsports Podcast Network. That will be Three Strikes You're Out with um, one of my favorite people at Outsports. They're all my favorite people, but Ken especially because, like, I don't know. We bonded over the Albany Polecats. Um, <laughs> um Ken's awesome uh, baseball podcast, and this week, Three Strikes You're Out continues its tour of the Outsports Podcast Network as level playing field host Randy Boos stops by to talk Oakland baseball with Ken. It's not that hard to get the A's to win a playoff series, right? It's incredibly hard. And then, of course, if you are into video games as well, um, you can check out my gaming news podcast that I do every Monday, um, 8 Eastern, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over on twitch.tv slash Entertainment. That show is called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. I do that show with two of my very close friends, uh, Twitch streamers Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. It's always a fun time. I know I haven't been on the show in the last two weeks. That was mainly because I was out of town or flying, and it just didn't work out, which is a bummer because apparently things have gone a little crazy over there in my absence. But no, it's a fun. Th- I was. It's a fun time. I would suggest that you give it a listen if you're into keeping up with gaming news at all. Um, but I think that's all of the plugs, and I think that's all of the thank yous for this week. Thank you to KC. Let me remind that again. Thank you to KC for for going to the show with me and sitting down to chat with me about it. It was so good and so fun, and I'm really happy that everyone can find a place within this wacky world of pro wrestling. It's so good. But until next week, y'all stay messy. Wash your damn hands, but stay messy. Um, Be good to each other. Bye. Coming from the top of the bridge, see me to do